thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be put to confusion. The Lord Jesus, look at me now. Our Lord Jesus Christ will have nothing to do with surface faith. God wants men, he wants women full of the Holy Ghost, purified until they have no will. Take my will and make it thine, it shall be no longer mine. In perfect unison with him. There's very little of the fear of God among today's Christians. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. And by the fear of the Lord, men depart from their evil. Nobody's convicted of anything anymore. You live in an insane society, for there is no fear of God in their eyes. Nobody fears God anymore. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. I don't ask people if they're saved anymore. Who isn't saved? From the White House to the jailhouse. <clears throat> I look a person in the eye and say, does Christ live in you? And I want you to know that when you take a look at American Christianity, it is based more upon a godless culture than it is upon the Word of God. And you can't substitute the work of the Spirit of God with some little method of taking a verse out of context, getting them to pray a prayer, and then popishly declaring them to be safe. So that you can walk away with another notch on your belt. Good morning, and it's been a long time. This is Tom Richardson with the Removing Confusion podcast. We've been a little busy here at the ranch lately it is friday october the 21st and i apologize i should be a little bit more uh adherent to doing a podcast i feel like this is my venue to uh take the time that you will not get in a church service of any size or any sort to actually sit down and open up the scriptures as we need to be doing and we do, I'm not the first one to um, do it this way. I, I called it, they, well, the technical term is expository preaching or teaching. Expository. Now, you go to your minimal church that you go to and you say to your pastor, why don't you do expository preaching? It takes work, folks. You know, I'm not going to sit here anymore. Every once in a while, I may, I may find a verse and use it just in its, in its context uh, and maybe just focus on that one verse. I did this the other day in a teaching I did in another place um, from Haggai chapter 1, and it's verses 5, 6, and 7. I thought that was a, a well-fitting set of verses for the time we live in, and especially... Uh, five and seven, which say, consider yourselves. And in between was a, 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 a verse, verse six, I believe that said, you know, uh, you'll, you'll 
sow, but you won't reap. You'll clothe yourself, but you won't be warm. You'll put money in your bag, but it'll leak out the holes. So you go, I, 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 uh, I venture, go look at that. Haggai, if you're in Matthew, you go back three or four books and you'll land right on Haggai chapter one. It's a very short book of the Bible, but I, that's not what we're talking about today. It's just, you know, trying to explain what I've decided to do here with the podcast. And, and I think it's exciting when, if you are interested in immersing yourself in the books of the Bible. Now, uh, I question even myself, why am I in First Peter? What was it besides the Holy Ghost that, that kind of pushed me towards First Peter? And I'll tell you something. There are not very many preachers out there that are going to take this uh, book or first or second Peter and expose it. That's what expository, exposing the scriptures, opening them up, uh, delving in what Timothy was told to uh, study to show yourself approved, a workman not being ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. What is the word of truth? It's the Bible. And we're, we're told, we're admonished in that passage to rightly divide it. There are many who will go about, we'll see in a, in a, in a future uh, verse, that twist the scriptures to their own destruction piercing themselves through with many sorrows. I do not wish to be one. Uh, now, there's probably some that may listen and say, well, who do you think you are? Well, you know, I am just a guy with a microphone. But I decided at a point here in the last few months, the Holy Spirit dealt very succinctly with me. And I, and I can tell you, I felt it. You know, give up being a newscaster. There's more than enough of them. Give up that whole thing. You know, we will still discuss the the topics of today as it relates to the scriptures that perhaps we're looking at. And, I mean, I can, if I do nothing but the Alex Jones thing, then, you know, you could listen to him. And he's got a bigger platform. He's got more people working for him. He's got video cameras and a gravelly voice. And he curses God's name. Now, I have a friend of mine who loves him to death, thinks he's the best thing that ever happened. He's the only one that's exposing the truth, blah, blah, blah. But there's a pastor that's close to uh, my proximity here in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, I'm not in Cleveland, but the pastor is by the name of Alistair Begg. And from what I understand, I've never heard it, but I understand he kind of came out against Alex Jones. And, you know, a lot of the Alex Jonesites, will not listen to Alistair Begg now because he simply said, you know, he doesn't go along and purport what Alex Jones is all about. And a lot of it's conspiracy, and a lot of it gets, the conspiracy gets proven true a lot of times over a period. But you don't want to make blanket prophetic statements that don't come true because there's guys that do that too. I'm not going to point fingers and say who is and who is not. That's for you to figure out. If you listen to them, and there's good, I mean, it's, it's entertaining because they get excited and they're, they're like, say, the gravelly voice, hey, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen there. You know, you know. I can do that too, but I don't want to. I want to do something that uplifts the body of Christ. You know, or 
shows us what we're missing. Now, what we've been in is in First Peter chapter 1. We finished it the last time we were together as a four points or four part program, four hours of First Peter just about. Uh, in between me playing a song here and there. I don't have one lined up for today, so you just have to be stuck with me until the end. <clears throat> so anyway, with enough of that, I, I pray that you remember the speakings of Peter inspired by the Holy Ghost, and all Scripture is inspired by the Holy Ghost, worthy for rebuke and admonishment and exhortation. So let's just carry on from where we were in first Peter chapter one. One of the high points was Peter telling the folks, be ye holy as he is holy. Now you can't operate in holiness that you think you possess by what you've done or I've done. When I say you, I mean us, all of us, we have to operate in the holiness that is in Christ Jesus. And uh, I think someday, uh, hopefully I'll remember, I, I say a lot of these things, and don't hold me, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I get so many ideas of where I want to go. Uh, but if you just take a good Bible program on your computer and type it, in Christ, in Christ, I-N, Christ. And, you know, you can even, on the one I use, blueletterbible.org, you can limit where you want those, you know, Book of Romans or all the epistles of P, of Paul or whatever, and just see what it says about being in Christ. Now, I've said before, you know, our 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 belief system, where we hold our faith, is in Christ. We're Christians. I don't care about your denomination. I don't like denominations. The misfortunate part of that is most of the churches in our land are denominational, which to me is divisional. You know, the Baptists don't want to associate with the Methodists because they don't, they don't believe in this and or the Quakers or this or that. Or the other. Oh, they don't baptize underwater and, uh, you know, going on and on. I get tired of it. I've said it before and I'll say it again, I'm sure. We're Christians. Either you're a Christian first, and then a Baptist, Methodist, Calvinist, Armenian, whatever you want to be. I don't want to be anything but a Christian. I don't want anything but the pure, unadulterated truth of the Bible, and that's where we're going to go now. Peter, again, like I say, one of, one of the high points, just one of them in, in, in 1 Peter chapter 1 was, be ye holy as he is holy. And then he tells you, knowing that you know, you're, you're going to be in, you're going to catch a lot of heat. You will go through the fire, you know, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What did they do? They didn't come. To, God didn't save them out of the fire. He went through the fire with them. And we have to hold on to those kinds of truths. Now, let's get it going. First Peter chapter 2, verse 1. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile, and hypocrisies, and envies, and all evil speaking, comma. I'm going to stop with the comma there. That's the, the beauty of the canonized scriptures is we have chapter and verse 
book chapter and verse. You know, they used to not have that. They just had to read it and you had to figure out where it was at. But look at this. Maybe I should go on. Let's just go ahead and read it again. Wherefore, laying aside all malice, all guile, all hypocrisies, I'm sorry, and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings as newborn babes, consider the sincere milk of the word that ye may may grow thereby. If so, ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Now, let's look deeply upon some of those things that he brought forth. First of all, he's just saying in a nutshell, in verse 1, put aside the sin. Put aside the sin, folks. You know, we know that it's there. We know that sometimes we try to control it in our own minds, in our own uh, being, however you want to say it. Uh, A while back, we did a, 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 a little lesson on taking all thoughts captive unto unto the obedience of Christ. It's in uh, Corinthians. Um, so now, you know, we're looking at, he's just saying, you know, we have to find a way to put aside the sin and specific ones that he brings out because these can rip at you and tear apart your relationships around you. The first one he says is malice, not a word we use a lot. That's more of a legal term. Malice of forethought, malice of this, malice of that. And, you know, just take that malice of forethought. You know, you've probably heard that term. What does malice really mean though? It's a malignancy and it will desire. It's a desire to injure a will to injure, in injuring not only in flesh, but in word and deed. Your words are dangerous. And, you know, people think, well, I watch what I say. Do you watch what you write on the Facebook, on the Twitter? And people say, well, Trump didn't. Well, you know, look, don't base your life around one guy or, you know, what happened to that particular person. And he probably tweeted a few things. He probably should. I like Trump. You know, he's straight up. I, uh, I would like to sit down with him. I really would. So if you are one of Donald Trump's inner circle, set up a meeting with me and him. It's easy to get a hold of me. Malice, malignancy, a will to desire or injure. So you, when you write those things on the Facebook, the Twitter, the write, make a video on the YouTube or make your, do your podcast where you completely trash someone, you know, someone in your family, someone in your circle, your friends, your, or so-called friends, uh, you know, I'm even careful anymore about what I say about the president current of the United States. Sometimes I feel bad for him because I do believe that poor man is lost. I know he's lost in sin. Uh, You can be as Catholic as you want, Mr. Biden. You're lost. I can tell. Most of us can. You wish to kill 
the newborn babies. Let's, let's read that first few words. Notice how the Lord moved on, on our brother Peter as newborn babes. Well, these days we just get rid of them before they're newborns. That way we don't have to worry about it. That's in verse 2, by the way. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word. Getting ahead of myself. Getting ahead of myself. I'm sorry. So get rid of that malice, folks. Get rid of that malice. Don't 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 live on that. It's easy to find fault. It's easy to to shred people publicly or privately, however. We need to we need to put that aside. All guile. All guile is the next portion of verse 1. Craft. This is what it means. Guile. I mean, you know, maybe you know, these are words we again. I don't. I don't run around and say you're full of guile. <laughs> it just doesn't. You know, in our common terminology, it doesn't really fit. But guile is craft, deceit, subtlety, subtlety. Doesn't that sound familiar? Doesn't that sound? Uh, Genesis 3. Now, the serpent was more subtle than all the beasts of the field. And he came unto Eve, and what happened? Look where we're at now. We're sitting here going through the Bible, trying to figure out how do we clear ourselves from an event that happened nearly 6,000 years ago or more. Depending on your feeling. I don't care how long back you want to put that action of the fall of man because of guile because of subtlety because of craft when they say craft it doesn't mean oh you're good at making stuff you know you can do doilies no it means craft like witchcraft an example is mark 14 and 1 they got together to figure out how they could take him, Jesus, by craft. Let's, you know, uh, in in the CIA and and in the spy game, they call it your spy craft. You know, you have to develop spy craft, be able to see the crowd and instantly know who's the guy that you got to watch out for the most. Who's the guy that's watching you but acting like he's not watching you? And they're doing the same thing with you. Who's the guy that's watching me? Oh, it's him. It's craft. But witchcraft is, is probably a best way of it, of saying guile. You're using some kind of demonically inspired way to hurt someone. Deceit, big word. Not really, but, you know. In, in our common, that's a word we, we do use. She's deceitful. He's deceitful. They're deceptive. It's all gathered from that same little word there of deception, deceitfulness. You know, this is a, again, I bring up the Facebook, the Twitter, whatever social media platform there are is, there's, ton of that going on guile deceit subtlety even 
You know, you like to say, that's Satan's favorite one is subtlety. So guile would be as well. So would deceit and craft. And guile, it runs deep. You know, it's, it's thought out and it's cunning. And like I said, you know, think of it like spycraft. It's, it's not something that you just do it on a whim. You know, you think this thing out. You put a lot of time and effort into coming up with your spycraft or your guile or your deceit. And then you have to remember it. You have to know, especially deceit. Deceit's lying. When you lie, you have to remember the lie and then usually end up lying on top of the lie so that the lie doesn't get away from you, but it end up, it always does. Just be honest. It's going to hurt sometimes. It really is. Honesty is the best policy, as they say. But it's also the one that hurts the most in the end because you have to be honest with yourself, honest with God, and honest with your loved ones. Sometimes that honesty will shred things because you've allowed deceit, lying, cunning, and guile to run too deep. Hypocrisies. Hypocrisies is a is another word. We now we hear that a lot. I'm not going to church too many hypocrites. They're all just acting. That's what it means. Hypocrisy actually does mean actors. It was people in the days of uh, back then, even in the in the biblical days and forward, where they would put on a mask and act like someone else. Now nowadays, they just give you a script and make, do your makeup, and you can be whatever you want. You know, we have a we have a guy in our government that thinks and acts like a woman, but he's a man, no matter what they say. He, he even thinks he's an admiral. So yeah, there you go. You know, you can be whatever you want. Just act it out. You're a hypocrite. Goodness gracious. Envy. This is all verse one, by the way. Envy. It's a feeling of discontent or resentment. Aroused by and in conjunction with the desire for the possessions of another. I'm envious of what you have. You guys that have a podcast platform that has, you know, 10,000 listeners. I'm envious of you. I'm so envious, I'm going to start to tear you apart publicly. And still only 10 people are going to listen to me. God does not honor that. As it says right here, don't be envious. You know, if, if, uh, if, the, if these other fellows, I'm just using that as an example since I threw it out there by the gifting of the Holy Spirit yet again, is that if they are doing well, if they're doing the right thing, I have nothing to be envious about. They're reaching to people and they're touching lives. And I, I could name some fellows that do very well, podcasting, video casting, whatever you want to call it. And then I could tell you some that don't, but it's not my business. You figure out who feeds you. And you support them. Now, I'm not calling for support because there's no way to support me. I don't even give you my address. Because I don't need it. But I would ask you to support some other folks out there. And I've given names before. 
of people I believe will give you the truth. And I've given you some names of guys that do okay, but they're dry as toast and you probably won't make it through 10 minutes of listening to them. And they're so one, they're one dimensional biblically. They're really stuck in certain categories, be it prophecy or, or, uh, um, uh, well, I went blank. That's a, that's a good place to stop. There's a lot of prophecy guys out there, I mean, and some of them, be careful. Be careful. Be careful. Okay, envies and all evil speaking. All evil speaking pretty much speaks for itself, doesn't it? You know, let's back up again to envy. It's not just envious of what you have physically, but what you also have. What I just use it as an example. Possessions, positions, and, you know, any ill will felt, felt, any ill will felt towards another, you know, with anger or jealousy, or even rage. People have rage, man. It's it's a rageous, ravenous kind of a society we live in. And it, but people are mad because this guy's got more than I have. He's got more money. He's got a bigger house. He's got a bigger platform. People like him. Why don't they like me? Well, I mean, that's up to God. God will lead. I'm going to tell you right now, I believe that if I keep doing the right thing, and if I keep saying the right words that are inspired to me through the scriptures and prayer, that I will gain more listeners. Okay, that's up, that's up to the Lord. Uh, all I can do is put the information out there and let it go from there. Verse 2. <laughs> Goodness, we made it to verse 2, didn't we? After evil speaking, I mean, that just pretty much says it all, Def- defaming people. And, you know, and like I say, we need to be cautious of this one, This that, that last one. I'm sorry, verse 1. I, I'm bouncing a little bit. Maybe it's too much coffee or something this morning. But, you know, just be careful what you say out there in the world. Be careful how you smash somebody on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and every other whatever there is. It's just not good. Second Corinthians twenty. Or I'm sorry. Yeah, twenty. There's not that many chapters. Second Corinthians twelve and twenty warns us about tail bearing and back biting. I love that. That's old terminology. I think we need to bring back. Don't be a backbiter. Because you just think about. It. I don't want to say biting me in the back. You know chewing on me from behind and that's what that is you're going behind somebody you know uh maybe they blocked you and you just want to trash them so they won't see what you did but trust me they know how to do it and or or you block them so now i can say what i want about them and they won't know that's ugly don't do it grow up you know facebook i'm I'm on that i'm on that for a, a a, a myriad of reasons because I see stuff that just slays me that people do to each other. Now there's a lot of good things on there, 
but there's a lot that goes the other direction on all the social media platforms. Now we can finally go to verse 2. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. Newborn babes, like I just said, you know, well, we don't we don't mess around with newborns anymore. We just slaughter them in the in the womb. In the church, we slaughter them after they've been born again. It seems. If you don't adhere to what I believe, you're done. Now, look, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. There are denominations out there that have their issues and problems. OSAS, pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, no-trib, whatever on the rapture scene. Then you have the uh, uh, baptismal regeneration. That's a horrible thing. That's a false, you know, uh, come on. Get off of it. What's at the center of your denomination? What's at the center of your denomination? If it's a Jesus Christ, then shut up and leave it alone. Now, some people may say, well, the Mormons have Jesus, but you know, look, at the, it's another gospel. You got to be able to break it down. Um, not everything is a false gospel like is spoken of in Galatians, where Paul said, let he who does that, whether it be an angel above or man, be accursed. Some people just don't have all of the facts. Let's just back up. Look into them deeply and see what book are they using. Is it the Bible? Now, of course, the Bible can be twisted in a million different ways. What savior do they have Jesus Christ who died for all? Now, the denominational thing always goes crazy right there, you know? And we start hacking each other apart because the Presbyterians do this and the Methodists do that and the Baptists do this and the Quakers do this and the this, that, and the other thing and the, uh, 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 Baptist, Pentecost, Methodist, Falala, uh, they all have something different. The uh, Assemblies of God are talking in tongues. You know, the, the Nazarenes are believing in all these different things. Do they believe in Jesus? Have you sworn your allegiance to Christ, period? Pop, done. Okay, you can say, well, the Catholics do. Well, you know, again, then you start to pick away at things and say, well, I don't really think I believe that, you know, you can do whatever you want just because you've said a prayer one day and now you're not, you know, I love when they say, oh, he's not living for God anymore, but he, he gave his life to the Lord as a teenager, but he's not living for God anymore. Oh, really? Then who's he living for? You don't live for God. You're living for yourself. And at the, at the basis of self is Satan. That doesn't mean you're a Satanist. That just means you've decided that God's not good enough. You can do it on your own. Well, when things start to crash around people, then they come running back to God. God always takes them. Remember the prodigal son? But the prodigal son came to his senses and realized, I've done this to myself. At my father's house, everybody eats. Everybody sleeps in warmth. Nobody feeds the pigs. 
Nobody has to chew on the husks. I'm going home. If you can do that, that's where salvation has really come into play. I don't argue about all that craziness that we just barked about for a little bit. I just say, look, you know, read the Bible for yourself. Don't let a preacher or a denomination decide for you what you are going to believe. You believe it by what God has brought forth to you. Educated so-called within scare quotes men uh, have messed up more things in Christianity than you ever will just by reading your Bible. It's like it's like one guy, and I, I really do like this fellow. He says, you know, nobody ever became a Catholic from reading the Bible. And you can say that about a lot of denominations. Nobody ever became a, because they read the Bible. They got into it, and then they read it. And then some of them just say, well, I'm stuck here. I, I can't leave now because I, I've kind of been doctrinated into believing that this is the way it is. Uh, and I'm not going to study outside any of it because that would be bad. Smarter men than me have figured it out. That's not true. As newborn babes. So Peter's again telling us, you know, in the first verse, put, put aside this junk, mouse, guile, hypocrisies, and envies and evil speaking. Put that stuff aside. Be like newborn babes. They don't do that. A baby relies upon everybody. He relies upon his mother and father to feed him, clothe him, burp him so that he doesn't you know, gag on his stuff. Um, the whole nine yards, everything until that kid is old enough to leave the house pretty much, he does, he, his mom and dad are going to take care of. They're going to keep the house warm. They're going to give up what they may want or maybe need even. For that kid, that newborn babe. You're a newborn babe until you grow up. And then you're still somebody's kid. Desiring the sincere milk of the word. Now, there's Paul breaks down in his epistles about, you know, I have fed you with milk because you're not ready for meat. And there's definitely a place where you need to get those spiritual children off of the milk and onto the meat of Scripture. You cannot grow by only drinking milk all your life. If you, all you do is drink milk, there's a, there's a sickness out there that, that uh, takes over. Your bones won't grow, your organs won't, your blood won't function right. You'll die if all you do is drink milk forever notice that the animals know this they feed off of their mother until she says no more go eat some grass or chase a rabbit or whatever we need to do the same thing but desire the sincereness the unadulterated milk of the word sincere is it, it means without wax it's it's like when you had a pot, uh, or is it with wax? Anyway, it, it, it's if you had a pot and it had a crack in it, and you tried to cover that crack with some wax, they would use wax and melt it into the into that crevice 
to cover it up and then maybe sand it or whatever. You know, that's insincere. The sincere milk has no blemishes in it. It's good milk. It's whole milk. It's not been homogenized. See, that, that's a, maybe that's a good way to look at it. You know, don't, don't drink the homogenized, watered-down 2% milk of the word. That's what you get in the pulpits for the most part. Like I say, they only have a certain amount of time to spout off what they want to. And most of them aren't going to sit down and take 36 minutes on two verses of Scripture only talking about the Scripture. Now, I did spout off about denominations within that, and now we're talking about preaching, but that's what we're here for. This is very important to understand. You know, a baby, when he's ready to eat, starts to scream, doesn't he? Mothers, you know that. Fathers, you do as well. Middle of the night, one of you is going to get up and go take care of the child. They either changing, they either need changing or they need food. Again, depending upon mom and dad for everything. As newborn babes, they want milk. That's what they can handle. That's what feeds their bodies. They just naturally know it. We don't want to feed them milk that's been through the ringer, you know, so to speak. Sincere milk. We want we want the good stuff. You know, when I buy milk anymore, I do not buy 2%. I buy whole milk. And I even know at that when I buy it from the local store uh, from, you know, whoever's making it. There's a million different places. They've homogenized it. They've taken something out of that milk. The best place for milk straight is from the farmer straight. Those who are allowed to sell you what they call raw milk. I would call it sincere milk. Those guys drink that milk and look at how long farmers last. They're getting the real milk. That's what God's telling you as a newborn babe, someone who's not been saved long, or maybe you've been saved for 10 years. You still, you want the real milk. You want the real, honest to God, unadulterated, unwatered down milk of the word, the truth. I don't want to lie to you and tell you that you can do whatever you want and you're gonna, your life will be fine and your afterlife as well. We're told to seek out God. We're told to be children of God. Now, children, again, will rebel at times. And God will take care of that rebellion. You put your eyes on stuff that they shouldn't be on. Maybe he'll start to twiddle back your eyesight some. You you put your brain on certain things that they shouldn't be. Now, I'm not saying this is what always happens. I'm just using some hyperbole and some example. Maybe your brain will quit working the way it's supposed to or other body parts or whatever. You know, there's different ways. If you're, if you're not busy working in the kingdom, 
you might find yourself outside of it. As newborn babes desire that sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. See, you're going to grow with the sincere milk. And then you'll want that meat of the scripture that Paul talks about. And you'll grow even more. But you got to get to the, past the milk phase. Don't try to jump from milk to meat because you'll choke on it. And then you'll, some people will walk away. I'm hoping that most of you that are listening to me, you're either into the, uh, end of your milk phase and you can be in the beginning as well i'll I'll bring you along but the thing of it is is we we dig into some deep stuff here and the dick the deeper you dig the more people are like "Uh, i didn't sign on for this but it is what you signed on for you signed on to 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 serve the king capital k lord jesus Verse 3, if so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. So you're going to desire that. There's a, there's a semicolon at the end of verse 2 that says that ye may grow thereby. And if so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. The Lord has been gracious to you. He, you know, we've got grace when we, de- we deserve. We've got grace and mercy when we deserve judgment. He died for us, Remember? That's a mouthful. He took on himself what we deserved on ourselves. You know, let's look at, um, again, up there in verse 1. Instead of tearing people apart, pray for them. You know, and it's not easy sometimes. It really is. It's not easy to, uh, it's easy to take all these people to task and rip them apart because you think you're better than they are. And many of them are working evil against you, promoting these guys in our government specifically, promoting homosexual acts and sodomites and abortion and, and slave labor in China. It's okay over there, buddy. We ain't going to worry about it. We ain't doing it here. They do it here too. It is much harder to pray for all these people. But that's what we're commanded to do. We're commanded to pray for those that are in authority over us. And you know, not only that, the people that are tearing you apart, Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 13 Evil men are going to grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. First Timothy two two, pray for kings, etc. Pray for the kings, those in power. Pray before you start saying stuff, and you may not say it. One of my favorites I came up with a long time ago, and I've passed this on to folks here and there. Pray, p r a y, or become pray. E-R-E-Y. The devil goeth about seeking whom he may devour. Pray, P-R-E-Y. That's not where you want to be. You want to be in the, I prayed for you. In verse 2 again, it's not that I'm 
lost my mind, but, you know, I just like to do this. There's a word in there called desire. Desire the sincere milk. What does that really mean? What do we think when we think desire? Well, it means you long for, you hunger for, you seek out. You know, because you're innocent. Newborn babes, again, they're innocent of the trash and the influence of this evil world. I mean, we live in this world. If you got saved later in life, you already know there's a lot of evil out there. It's always there. So desire, desire, desire. You know, that sincere milk is, it's, it's, it's life-affirming, straight talk. Let's just give you a straight talk, pure, unadulterated, unhomogenized, straight talk, straight milk, life-sustaining. It's not fables, you know, not stories, not falsehoods. You know, men take these things into their sermons and just use those to fill in gaps with stuff that has no bearing on God's holy word. And that's, they go to Bible colleges, dozens of Bible colleges, you know, Dallas Theological Seminary and others, you know, grade their students in speech class on how, how well they connect with the people. Use the word of God, you'll connect. If these people really want that, if they don't, they'll move you along and you'll go somewhere where they will. Trust me, I know. I've known people that this has happened to. They wanted to be straight-up Bible teachers and preachers, and some people can't handle it. The people move along or they move you along. But that's what they do. They teach secular-style preaching, speech classes. Not the Bible, not Holy Ghost-inspired exposition. So Peter's just telling you, hey, Look for one appointed by God. Find somebody who knows what he's talking about. Led by the Spirit to help you grow. Led by the Spirit to help you grow. I want to get to at least verse 4, so I'm going to go ahead and hit that. I I think I've belabored that enough of of how things go in in the modern church and probably been going on for many, many, many years. That, you know, it's all about how I can connect with you with all my silliness. It has nothing, nothing to do. I'm going to read verse 3 because it kind of fits with verse 4, okay? If so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious, to whom coming as unto lively stone, as a lively stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious, That's a mouthful as well, isn't it? When you come to Jesus in faith, he removes the heavy yoke of sin and gives you life eternal. Jesus Jesus is a stumbling block to a lot of people, isn't he? Ye also, in verse 5, as lively stones are built up are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, 
to offer up spiritual sacrifices. Notice the word spiritual is in there a lot. Acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Verse 6, wherefore also uh, it is contained in the scripture, behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded, won't be confused. Now, breaking that down rather quickly without losing anything in the interpretation. Like I said, when you come to Jesus in faith, he removes the heavy yoke of sin from you. Uh, You will still feel sin in your life. You will still feel the pull of sin. But if you turn to Jesus and stay in line with Jesus, that sin will wash off you. Sooner or later, you won't want to do it. You will hate it so bad that you will not engage in the sins of evil speaking and malice and guile and forethought and whatnot and other things, pornography, fornication, adultery, all the sins that are so fun. You're lively stones. You're built up a spiritual house. You know, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. He lives within you. You are a holy priesthood. You have the ability, every one of us, to go out and spread the gospel. To offer up spiritual sacrifices, that are, those are your prayers to God through Christ, or is by Christ, Jesus Christ. Wherefore is also contained in Scripture, behold, I have placed I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Jesus is the cornerstone, don't we know? Verse 7. Unto you, therefore, which believe in him, believe he is precious but unto them which be disobedient the stone which the builders disallowed the same is made the head of the corner and a stone of stumbling verse 8 and a rock of offense even to them which stumble at the word being disobedient whereunto also they were appointed we're going to just lay down right there, okay? Um, there's a lot of lot of scripture there. <laughs> a lot of good stuff too. Verse five says, "You're a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. Our lives, our bodies, are to yearn." towards being the temple of the Holy Ghost. I, I mentioned 1 Corinthians 3.16, 1 Corinthians 6.19, 2 Corinthians 6.16, Romans 12. All this and much more can cause you and I to be a stumbling block to those that wish to live in sin, either in or out of the church. And when we say that, okay, Jesus is the chief cornerstone. 
when they placed a cornerstone in a building, it sometimes stuck out a little bit because it, it, it was a little bigger than, you know, especially, let's talk pyramid, pyramids. You know, when they, the, the cornerstone stuck out a bit more than the rest of them because it had to. They, they got smaller as they grew. Law of physics and all that. And there would be one particular stone that was probably bigger than the rest. That was the chief corner stone. Now, that stone would stick out on the ground. And men may go around not paying attention and trip on it. Trip on it. Stumble. Run into it because they're not looking where they're going. Jesus is that cornerstone. If you don't want to listen to him, if you don't want to abide by the word, you are going to stumble and fall on that word. There's a, there's a, uh, I believe it's in Matthew that talks about if you fall on this rock, it'll break you. The rock of Jesus, the rock of the word. But if the, this rock falls on you, it will grind you to powder. A stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. It's a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense to, the, to whom? To them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. They were appointed probably, to be in the Word. Listen to the Word. Some of them teach the Word, and they stumble at it because they're disobedient. This is where I don't do what a lot of other people do. If you want to know who is worthy of your time to listen to? Who is worthy of standing in a pulpit and preaching? Look at this. Do you get the sincere word of God when you sit in your church pew? Do you get what you need to follow through? Do you walk away with any real knowledge any more than you had when you sat down of what a passage of Scripture says? My whole ministry here and what I do outside of this room as well is to help people understand better the Bible by going through it the way we're doing now. Now, there's places I preach I can't really do it because I'm only there once a month. There's other places I'm there more. There's other places where I'm not in control. I'm not the authority. So therefore, I have to be careful because I have to be obedient to the elders of those places. Now, that doesn't mean you're not going to get the real word of God when I preach it. That just means if I try to do this expositional preaching that I'm doing now, I'd probably get shut down before too long or kind of pushed along to not do it so much. I like doing it. 
because I really think we all grow when we do it. We all get something out of it that we can use, and it's all Bible. Verse 7 and 8. Unto you, therefore, which believe he, Jesus, is precious, but See, you and I, we actually do, I, I pray that you do believe that Jesus is the most precious. God used him because he's the only one that could fulfill the, the uh, absolution of our sins. He's the only one that could be the sacrifice for us. He's the only one that could take away thousands of years of sin-drenched horribleness. That was just, before that, it was the sacrificial system of the Jews, which he did away with at his coming. He didn't do away with the law. He just, he says, I fulfill the law. Verse 6, I'm just going back through a little bit. You know, it says, It is also contained in Scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion, a chief cornerstone, elect, comma, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Mark 12 says, and ye have not, and ye have not read the scripture, the stone which the builders rejected is become the head of the corner. When you see the word behold in a sentence, and it means something. That means you better listen, wake up, gather your senses to me, And remember, don't let this get away from you. Isaiah 28, 16 also says, Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation, a stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. Let me tell you something right there. Isaiah used a lot of words, foundation, stone. It's the basis of everything we believe, Jesus. A tried stone. He went through it all. He was tempted as we all are. A precious cornerstone. Again, a sure foundation. A sure foundation means one that does not shake in any situation. The biggest earthquake in your life, if you really are holding on to Christ, cannot be shaken to take you down. It's a sure foundation. Drawing nigh to my time here, folks. Drawing nigh. So if you believe that he is precious, which you do, I pray, 
you're in good you're in good shape you believe all those things there's this cornerstone of your faith which is Jesus Christ he was elect he's he's chosen he's perfect and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded that's in verse 6 first peter 2 6 shall not be confounded and i myself find a little bit of solace in the fact that i use <laughs> for my title removing confusion being confounded is as good as being confused oh i'm confounded i don't understand i don't get it i don't i'm confused i'm trying to remove the confusion in all this and i pray that i have i know that when we go through this i i kind of bounce back and forth a bit but I, it, it, it's just the way I go about it. I've been known to preach messages where I might preach, like I'll just use an example, First Peter 2, 8, and then connect it backwards to verse 6. You know, I'm just saying. Because it's not that the Bible did it wrong. It's just that's the way my brain works. There's something in that verse that sets this one ahead. Once again, we spent an hour, and then we spent the whole hour discussing a few verses of First Peter chapter 2. It's been a pleasure for me to be here again. I enjoy this more than anything else I do. Oh, well, you know, because it's an open platform. You can listen if you wish. Or you can ignore me if you wish. I pray that you listen. I pray that you pass this on to other people who you think may need a little help along the way, that they won't be confounded, confused, or lost forever. Till next time, it's Tom Richardson. Removing Confusion Podcast. And I'm lost by his blood.